the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finland. We've got a great show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we will be featuring an interview with Rabbi Simone Jacobson, a noticed lecturer and author. We'll be talking about Tisha B'Av, the upcoming commemoration of the destruction of both temples, which will be this year on August 6th, and what it means to you or what it should mean to you. Second half hour of the show, we'll be looking into Devarim, the portion of the week, which can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 1, right at the beginning. We've got wonderful music all the way throughout the show. Oh, and this week, we also at the bottom of the hour, we have Michael Druk, uh, Jewish Hour Poet Laureate, will be enthusing us with some of his poetry. A great story all the way at the end. Before we do anything else... Let's go right to the news. Six terrorists were killed and a dozen wounded by IDF forces in a counter-terrorist raid on Shechem. The terrorists had conducted many shooting incidents in the area. A large cache of weapons and explosives was also seized. Israel's navy sunk a ship on its way to Gaza that was smuggling arms. The crew swam to shore, which is very interesting to me. Three Iranians were killed in an IAF airstrike on a Hezbollah weapons factory near Damascus. Here we have a story about the army, the navy, now the air force. A lone terrorist set a fire in Migdal O's and hid in the bushes, planning to attack the firefighters. The man was arrested and found to have guns and Molotov cocktails. Three terrorists opened fire at an IDF post outside Shechem. One terrorist was injured. Soldiers are looking for the other two. Shots were fired from Bethlehem, known in Hebrew as Bethlehem, into the nearby city of Efrat. No one was hurt. 
In other news around the world, the Holocaust memorials in Berlin and Buchenwald were vandalized. Police are not linking the two. The Goyim Defamation League, that's an organization, the Goyim Definition League held a rally in Tampa, Florida. The group waved Nazi flags and handed out anti-Semitic flyers. Similar papers, including ones that blame the coronavirus on Jews, have been distributed in cities across the nation in recent months by this group. Here's a story of talking out of both sides of your mouth. Bosnia-Herzegovina, that's one country, will adopt the International Cost Holocaust Remembrance Alliance working definition of anti-Semitism. In the meantime, that country is about to pass a law that would bar non-Christians from serving in politics, and the Jews would not be able to run for office. A whiz air flight from Tel Aviv to Krakow, Poland, made an emergency touchdown after landing due to a bomb threat. The plane was evacuated by, by the chutes provided. No bomb was found. And finally, the last thing of the news... Tel Aviv will host the world's first race for love. In the event, participants will run either a four- or eight-kilometer race, then be ushered into the Tel Aviv Lighthouse for a singles mixer. Organizers are expecting fifteen to 20,000 people. What a better way to meet your soulmate in sweats, smelling like you just ran a marathon. <laughs> That's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We are on live with noted author and lecturer, Rabbi Simone Jacobson. We're going to be talking about Tisha B'Av. How are you today, Simone? Thank you very much. And how about you? Good. Thank God. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Okay. The holiday at Tisha B'Av, or the commemoration of the memorial of Tisha B'Av, is coming up. On August 6th, it's looked upon as being the quote-unquote black day on the Jewish calendar. Tell us, give a little insight, first of all, what's so bad about Tisha B'Av, Rabbi Jacobson? <laughs> what's so bad, huh? Yeah. You, I don't like to be the bearer of bad news. So. Okay. I think I know how this but one that, ends, though. So. Yeah, well, look at, look, look at it this way. Life has cycles. You know, there are ups and downs. There are times that we're joyous and celebrating days of marriage, days of birth, uh, other forms of um, achievement. And then, sadly, life also has the down points, the ebb and flow, the turns and twists and turns. And they are the sad days when we grieve over a loss of a, of a loved one or another tragedy or trauma. So in the Jewish calendar, which is so much aligned with uh, 
the way human life works, we have like a month of Adar, considered to be the most joyous of months, the month of Purim celebration. And in stark contrast, we have the other end of the spectrum, the antithesis to that, which is the month of Av, this sad month um, which we remember and relive and remember and commemorate the sad event that happened. And primarily among the different events is, of course, the most famous one was the destruction of both holy temples, which interestingly happened hundreds of years apart, but both on the 9th of Av, as you said, this year, August 6th. And um, even though it happened thousands of years ago, it's not just a past event. We see it as a watershed moment where, uh, if, if we wish, you can call it like the birth of dissonance, a birth of disconnect between heaven and earth, between spirit and matter, because the temple represented God's presence among us. And uh, when that presence is concealed, it's, uh, it's quite sad, quite tragic. So I wouldn't call it a bad day. I would call it a, tr- a challenging day, okay. a day when we have to do things to uh, obviously repair Okay, I am reminded of two quotes. The first one, I don't know to whom it should be attributed, and that was, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat your mistakes. And the other one is attributed to Napoleon, who somehow was walking in some Jewish neighborhood someplace and heard that Jews were weeping, and what were they weeping about? And he was told their destruction of the temple, and he said, oh, how long ago was the temple destroyed? And he said, 1,700 years ago. And he said... A nation that can cry and fast for 1,700 years for their land and temple will surely be re- rewarded with their temple. Um, like I say, I don't know if that's a real quote or it's like it appears up if you quote, if you uh, type in Tisha above and Napoleon, you get all kinds of sources all over the place on Google. But so are or we... Is ju- urban legend, right? Right. Yeah. Or is it urban legend? And so is there really a point to observing something that happened almost 2,000 years ago? Well, first of all, whether he said it or not is a good question, but regardless, the the truth of it is a deep one. And uh, let me answer that uh, to your question as well. And that is, if you grieve just to grieve and to cry, then it leads, leads you to demoralization and to nothing positive and productive, then the Alter Rebbe, already established anything that demoralizes you and doesn't motivate you is not called sadness, it's called depression. And it's a negative force that is only brings you down. However, if crying and grieving is a motivator and it's a sensitivity of empathy to pain, which means you're not oblivious and you don't say, oh, let's just move on. Yes, there's something to cry about. Like in the words of Ecclesiastes, there's a time to cry, there's a time to... Uh, Dance. So, or using the word of the, the, the verse in the book of Psalms, that those that sow in tears will reap in joy, and then Napoleon's remark comes alive in a very powerful way. It's not about just sitting and crying. Look at the Jewish people. We've cried, but we've also built. We went through a Holocaust. And look at the renaissance of Jewish life, including Israel and so much more that came afterwards. So, life. To, to ignore pain and suffering in life is simply is not healthy. It would be like someone saying, no, nothing happened, let's just move on. I mean, psychologically, we call that denial. We call that uh, silence, silencing, what they say, silence, the silence is worse than the, than the crime. And that is not healthy. So acknowledging that things that have happened that are negative is very healthy. 
But step two, it's not an end in itself. It has to bring through uh, building, and, and that's a, the key. I think if everyone's, if anyone would study the psychological model of the Jewish people, you literally see we suffered like no other nation, but we also built a resilience like no other nation. I mean, using the words of the, the Bible in Exodus, the more they were afflicted, afflicted the Jewish people and oppressed, the more they thrived and they flourished. Okay, our guest today is Rabbi Simone Jacobson, noted lecturer and author. We're talking about the commemorative day of Tisha B'Av, marking the remembrance of the destruction of both temples in Jerusalem and other things. Okay, so I can understand commemorating Tisha B'Av if it was, say, like the year 90, and I really miss the temple. It's like something I miss, and it's just like I used to go there, and I'd celebrate Passover with the Paschal Lamb, and I had this whole thing over there going on, and it's like I'm I'm really upset about it. But it's the year 2020, 2022, excuse me, and um, – I don't feel that I lost a temple because I never had one. It's sort of like I was a little personal thing. I was born four months after my father passed away. And when I was a kid, people would ask me, well, what's it like not having a father? And I would say, I don't know, because I never had a father to compare it to. So isn't this sort of like the same kind of thing as we're told? I mean, I've, I've said Yisker since I was four years old to memory of my father's soul, but are we doing this just out of duty? Should there be something there, Rabbi Jacobson? An excellent question. Firstly, my heart goes out to you. I was not aware it was it was uh, sixty four years ago, so don't worry about it. I'm, I've managed to yeah, get well, through this far. If we're still mourning the building almost two thousand years, but sixty four years. Okay. Right? Um, but but still, and I think it's a good segue because, and I'm glad you brought the personal into it. Because this is a critical question. It just reminds me of another question I hear very often from many young men and women, Jewish men and women. They say, you know, I'm sick and tired of hearing that, that about anti-Semitism and all we stand for is anti-Semitism and anti-racism. You know, that they're trying to kill us. You know, the joke goes, they try to kill us. We survive. Let's eat. Right. You know, and it comes down to being a very, um, very superficial so I think it's a powerful question, and uh, and the answer really lies, as Jews like to answer question with a question, in a very powerful statement in the Talmud, in the Jerusalemite Talmud, it says that a, a generation that has not rebuilt the temple is considered as if it destroyed it, which obviously, you know, jumps out at you. One second. It was destroyed thousands of years ago due to the sins of our ancestors. Why are we to blame? You know, one thing is, okay, we'll try to fix it, but why are we as if we destroyed it? Because the key is to remember that we're not grieving over a building. There are many beautiful buildings that have been destroyed in history. We're grieving over divine presence. The, 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 Chumash, the, the Bible puts it beautifully. God said, build me a sanctuary and I will dwell among you. The temple was a, uh, essentially an interface, using modern terms, between the divine and us. And it's like when you're aligned to the purpose of your life, that's what the temple represented. And, of course, the destruction, which was a result, interestingly, of baseless hatred. It wasn't that, oh, you know, the Romans came or the Babylonians came and destroyed the temple. Once the people were not at peace with each other, so God simply said, I can't be among my children that are fighting with each other. I just can't be there. So it's not just an event that happened thousands of years ago. It's happening right now. Every time there's a form of hatred, 
any form of dissonance that I mentioned, any form uh, a loss of a parent like you, in your life. Every loss we see as being a mini destruction. And that's why we remember the destruction of the temple when we when we marry off our children. Under the canopy, we break a glass. It's not just a distant memory. It's right now, every time some heart is broken, anyone that's experiencing any loss or trauma or hurt or pain, that is a, a, a representation, you could say a personification of the destruction. And that's why when we grieve, we're not just remembering events of the past, but we're remembering every sad moment in our lives today or in the lives of our family or lives of strangers for that matter. And we need to do everything possible to remedy that. And that's why we pray for the rebuilding of the temple. For the same reason, because we want to recreate and reconnect with the divine in our lives. Fascinating. Our guest again today is Rabbi Samalin Jacobson, noted lecturer and author. We're talking about commemorating the holiday of Tisha B'Av and in modern times. Okay, so you segued into my next question, next point I wanted to bring up. You said before, quoting Ecclesiastes, there's a time to laugh, a time to mourn. We have the month of Adar when we're supposed to be really happy and nobody's thinking about the destruction of the temple, I don't think, except maybe if you're doing in Jerusalem on Shushan Purim. Uh, and but then in Adar, so we are in Av, so we have this whole month where we're kind of thinking about the destruction, and then we have these like cycle things that go on, like the breaking of the glass underneath the marriage can, wedding canopy, and. Um, if you walk into my house, you'll see right in front of you as you walk in a very large mirror. And behind that large mirror is a very large unpainted part of the wall. So it's to commemorate the uh, the fact that we're not going to decorate our house, houses fully because we're in this state of mourning. And there are laws, like for in Jerusalem, you're supposed to only have, if you get married in Jerusalem, you're only supposed to have one musician because of the destruction of the temple. So... Are, it sounds like we're we're supposed to be like uh, a dual personality over here, Rabbi Jacobson. Sometimes we're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be mourning when we're happy. We're supposed to be happy when we're mourning. <clears throat> this is this is going to get rather confusing. Well, I, I go back to uh, what I said earlier about navigation. You know, the fact of the matter, life is not a uh, what shall we say a uh, singular a singular uh, equilibrium. It's more like a cardiogram. You know, there's, uh, it's a waves, and there are peaks and there are valleys. And the thing to really appreciate about life is to know, learn to navigate the vicissitudes, to navigate these waves. It's not to fight them. If, for example, let's well, use a business example. Someone's running a business, and there's a recession or there's some downturn. So it's not a time to grieve. It's a time to now maybe introspection. You uh, look deeper into your 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 processes and so on. And then there are times where you can really go thrust forward. Or like a good swimmer, when there's a storm, you learn to ride the waves and you don't fight the tide. So I think that when you really appreciate uh, the cycles of, you mentioned you know, the celebration of other, and on the other hand, we have of, it's not about bringing us down, it's about appreciating that life is going to have its ups and downs. I remember hearing something really nice when the first Ferris wheel was uh, invented, it was in Vienna. Vienna had, I think, an amusement park. It's famous Ferris wheel. When word of that Ferris wheel came to Lubavitch, which was the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, so it happened to be someone had come to him, a businessman who was uh, had lost a lot of money, and he was really down. 
And the Rebbe said to him, the lesson from the Ferris wheel is that life is a galgal hachoza. It's a turning wheel. When you're on top, you can rest assured the wheel will turn. There will be moments when you'll be going downward. And when you're down below, remember the wheel continues to turn. And if you appreciate that, instead of living in the moment, but seeing it like a journey, a journey, a narrative, and like, a, like frames in a, in a film. The film isn't over till it's over. You, you see that it's a bigger picture of ups and downs, twists and turns, and all together create one beautiful uh, harmony of uh, both joy and sadness. And in that sense, the sadness is part of the growth and part of the joy as well. Okay. Now, Hasidim have seemed, there seems to be a certain flippancy when it comes to Tisha B'Av. Last week I told the story about Menachem Mendel of Kotsk and his Hasidim pulled a practical joke on him, a practical joke on Tisha B'Av. In his explanation, today I'll be talking a story about Shmuel Monkus and, and Shlomo Karlin. Everybody should stay tuned when Shlomo Karlin came to visit the Alter Rebbe on Tisha B'Av. And the Rebbe himself translating a, a discussion in the Talmud, like for this year, for example, Tisha B'Av is actually on Shabbos, and you can't fast on Shabbos except for Yom Kippur. So what do they do? They push it off. They just say, you push it off, and Rabbi Yudif comes and says, no, even since it was pushed off, you push it off completely, meaning till next year, and the Rebbe would say, well, since we pushed it off, and we're pushing it off completely, maybe completely means that Mashiach should come and we shouldn't have to do it again. So there seems to be this added, this, I wouldn't, don't know if I want to say laissez-faire, nonchalant attitude towards Tisha B'Av among Hasidim, Rabbi Jacobson? That you make, um, it, it's, it's this, it's this, you know, when you um, go to a shiva call, you go visit someone who's sitting and mourning the loss of a loved one. You obviously don't start making somersaults start dancing and singing. You have to be sensitive to the moment. But at the same time, you don't want to create a situation that just contributes to somberness and let's make it even sadder. You know, there's a word in the Hebrew Yiddish called mahader. You don't have to be mahader in the pain. You don't have to overdo it, so to speak. So you need to have a proper healthy balance of empathy, of recognition and sensitivity. But, you know, sometimes you could make a joke if it's in the right taste. Not to not to lighten the mood, just to realize that life is not just pure, 100% sadness. I mean, there are people I meet, when something sad happens, they're almost like looking forward to it. And they like to celebrate their sadness, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, and I think what Chassidim have introduced was an attitude, yes, there are sad moments, and there are very sad moments. Terrible things have happened to people individually, collectively. But there's also a simchus hachayim, I'm using Hebrew here, there's a certain... Even that when you're sad, you're still, you, you still celebrate that you exist, that you're alive. And don't let sadness define your life. I mean, that's a good way to put it. It happens to you, but don't let it define you. And I think that's what lies behind those stories where they said, you know, okay, if, if they're, not, if they're, not, if they're not really celebrating this holiday, take it away from them. And let's finally have the redemption and let's only have celebrating days. So it's a way of whatever we can. We try to redeem or we try to find the light at the end of the tunnel, or some people say the light within the tunnel, you know. Uh, Rabbi Simone may I ask you a personal question? <laughs> of course. Okay. How do you plan on commemorating Tisha B'Av this year? <laughs> I didn't realize that personal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And I'm specifically, I'm specifically answered it in Tish above afternoon when there's like all the services are done and it's just like it's like five hours until the holiday's over and you're on your own is really what I'm interested in. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, I didn't think about it yet. I still have a week to prepare. Um, I can tell you in the past, I, I always had mixed feelings on Tisha Bo because on one hand, I do respect and appreciate, uh, obviously, as growing up in the Jewish community, we dim the lights and we remember, and it's very, it's awesome in a way. I was also in Israel a few times, you know, the thousands of people that come to the Western Wall. So I find it to be a type of, um, it's almost comforting, the fact that we remember, we remember something like that. I, uh, on the other hand, being growing up in a Hasidic environment, I always feel, what can I do? the remedy to help repair the situation. So I'll be honest, I'll probably be using Tishavov as a, a time to think about things that we can do to advance love and understanding and cooperation. Now, we live in a very tumultuous times. We live in tumultuous times, which a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of polarization. So I, I'll be using that day to do what I think is my mission in this world, is to bring some light into the world. Okay, that's, that's how I see Tishabov, an that, opportunity of bringing light into darkness. That's perfect. Okay, Rabbi Simone Jacobs, a noted author and lecturer. Well, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your insights. And I'd like to wish you a happy Tishabov, which would mean Mashiach has already come between now and then, and we're in Jerusalem, and as the Rambam Maimonides says, it'll be actually the, the brightest spot on the calendar, and wish you all the best. Okay, thank you so much, and may you have the same and only transformative experiences personally, and continue your great work on the airwaves. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Hey, Shulfinman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have a special treat for you right now. It's Jewish Hour Poet Laureate Michael Druk. And was going to be hopefully sharing some of his uh, wonderful poetry. And how are you today, Michael? Thank God, I'm very happy. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> your, your 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 response is in uh, going to be the subject of my monologue after we get done. So people have to stay tuned, and I'll explain your uh, your response. But um, so, how are things generally in the, the life of Michael Druck? Things are things are great. You know, the uh, I was on the phone with somebody in Canada uh, a few minutes ago, and we were talking about how wonderful life is if you just put away and ignore all the bad things that happen in your life and just concentrating on the good Torah and everything else and just ignore all that mishigas that goes on in the world and just immerse yourself in Torah and do good things for good people. Okay. For those people who don't speak Yiddish, Mishagas is poetic. It's just as it sounds. Okay. So I'm assuming that you've got some upbeat poetry for us today then, Michael. I, the first question I have for you, have I ever read this poem, The, the Red and Velvet Chair, about the Rebbe's chair? I don't remember. And we've only been doing this for 30 years. So the answer is maybe. <laughs> 
Okay, here it is again. I revised it recently, and uh, oh, this is the updated one. version. So it's like you never read this one. Okay. Okay. Go for it. There is a place where the Rebbe sat. This the Rebbe's chair. This is where the Torah was, and the Rebbe well aware of the words of Hashem for his people. This is the place where the Rebbe thought and where he made his plan to send shluchim everywhere and bring Torah to every land for the need of Hashem and his people. This is where his people need to ever be included in Torah thought and Jewish history in an immersion and dispersion in Torah. A place where the Rebbe sat, his people all aglow. This is where heaven came down to earth for all to know the needs of Hashem for his people. Brightened up from heaven with a light brought down to earth. We are forever chosen now and since our birth. Torah was forever written and we are well aware of the words of the Rebbe from his soul and in his chair where the Rebbe sat with Torah in an incursion and submersion in that red and velvet chair. Awesome. Okay. So let me ask you a very personal question. Are, sure. Are you living it? Oh, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Is it, that's a tall order from that one. So that's, yeah. like, that's like a uh, call to action, that poem. It's, uh, I live it every day, and uh, I shocked someone the other day because they asked me, uh, my learning the Dafyomia. I said, I learned the Dafyomia with someone else three hours every day, 9 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9 p.m. We do the Dafyomi. So we're ahead of the rest of the group in the world, and we're loving every minute of it. Three hours go. a day, every day. There you go. Wow. Have you got another one for us? we got time for another one. Sure. There was a gift of learning that saw a people through the many years of being themselves. It's what it means to be a Jew. There is a gift of learning that holds me day and night. It is what it is to be myself as I feel my people's plight. There is a thought, several thoughts in every book, that speaks to me of them and what we do to our, be ourselves with the blessings of Hashem. Oh, wrap myself, my soul in toilet cloth, as cocoon against all mankind. This is how we hold ourselves existing in epic time. Let's not forget our ancestors who strove to get us here. Let us hold our Torah and our truth to all the days and years. I, sold, I hold so tight these holy books that speak to every prayer. It is the voice of who we are and why we are standing here. Our soul lives in prayer books that is in hand and mind. So if it should be taken, it still exists in time. Oh, wrap my soul in a toilet cloth. My learning is my being and my people hold their hands with me as we daven and we sing. Blessed is he, the Lord our God. Blessed be his name. Blessed each and all of us. And to that we say, Amen. Cool. That's wonderful. It's reminding me that in the portion of Matas Masai, which was read last week, and the portion of Devorim, which we're currently doing, 
that it talks about something called an ear miklet, a city of refuge. And Hasidus explains that if a person wants refuge, meaning to be sheltered from whatever's going around, they should go focus and go learn Torah. And that seems mm-hmm. what that's all about. Yes. Okay, that's wonderful. We appreciate you coming on and sharing, and uh, we'll wish you continued success and continued inspiration, Michael Druck. Thank you very much. Thank you. Be okay, well. Take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Hey, Herschel Finman, you're listening to the Jewish Hour. We got some time to listen to some music. This is Ari Goldwag. Of course, this is a cappella, as during these weeks before Tisha B'Av, we do not in- listen to instrumental music as we are commemorating the loss of the temple. And the song is called Ain Davar Ra. Nothing really bad really happens. It's all good. We just don't understand how it really is good because, well, God is a whole lot smarter than we are. Ach, ich mach's einfach immer hin, nur, 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 nur
Shower. A little bit of a correction. That was actually Sherlom Barinholtz, and the song was called Am Segula. We are a treasured nation. Up now is Ari Goldwag, and the song is called Ain't of Nothing bad comes from heaven. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom. 
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. The portion of the week is the Dvarim. It's the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy. And um, it's always read before Tisha B'Av, but I want to focus on a little bit on the month of Av. And specifically something that Michael Druck said just very uh, casually in that I asked him, how are you? And he said, happy. We just spent 20 so minutes talking with Rabbi Simone Jacobson that the time which we find ourselves is, it's Av, it's not a happy time. And, uh, you know, so how does he say I'm happy? Well, there's a statement that the, an adage which the Talmud gives. There's two, they're right next to each other. One of them says, When Adar, the month of Purim, comes in, we increase in joy. And then it says, When Av comes in, we decrease in joy. So the Rebbe was wont to say, he quoted that statement, When Av comes in, decrease it with joy. So he would punctuate it just a little different. Mishnichnas Av. When Av comes in, Memaitin. You have to decrease it. You have to decrease Av. Decrease all this this suffering that we, we talk about and the feelings of remorse and longing. The Rebbe was a very upbeat person. And uh, he, Rabbi Jacobson quoted before that if a person is just being destructively sad, that's called depression, that's not good. But if he's using this time to uh, to become uh, like a, a bitterness about it, and a, a longing, and then to go go do something good, the Rebbe was like, "No, if you're going to go do something good, just go do something good. Don't don't focus on the negative stuff." Because I think, as as I'd be want to say, is a lot of people have trouble relating to destroyed temples from two thousand years ago. And so the altar, so the Rebbe would say, when Av comes in, Mamaitin, decrease it. How? 
besimcha, with joy. He put the comma between, instead of saying decrease in joy, so he'd say decrease it with joy. And then the Rebbe would say, well, that doesn't mean frivolity. We're not having parties. There's still rules and laws. We're not allowed to, during this time before Tisha B'Av, we refrain from eating meat, from drinking wine, from holding celebrations, even minor celebrations or introductory celebrations. The only thing being exception, you have things like a uh, that have to be like, for example, a circumcision of bris has to be done on the eighth day, which you could even do that on Yom Kippur. So, okay, that's fine. But an engagement party, for example, uh, cutting the baby's hair for the first time, all those things, those get pushed off until after Tisha B'Av. So we are we are focused, we are there, but we're not walking around the expression in Yiddish is marashkhayadik, all all downtrodden and sad. But on the contrary, we're taking this opportunity to be able to serve the Almighty and to show the Almighty it's, it's, it says one of the reasons why the temple was destroyed. It's a minor reason is I should have brought this up with uh, Rabbi Jacobson. It just occurred to me now that I should have brought it up with him. One of the, since you didn't serve God with joy, Rashi explains that that means when you were wealthy. People, you know, it's just like when things are going good, when you're on the top of the Ferris wheel, you can see as far as already, far distance away and life is great and everything's good. And there's no reason to ask God for everything. You got it. So that's terrific. So you forget about it. It's only when you're at the bottom and things stink. It's like, oy, now I need God. So it says that was the reason, one of the reasons why that Jews were kicked out of Israel. was for that attitude. And God said, I don't, I don't need that. Don't come to me crying when you need me. Come and laugh with me. The Arizal translate that, translates that verse quite literally, because you didn't serve God with joy. There's a lot of mitzvahs out there. Okay, My schedule, for me, to sleep in is 6.30. 6.30 a.m., if I'm sleeping at 6.30 a.m., that, that meant I slept in. Okay, And there's a whole lot of things that are not going to get done because I slept all the way into 6.30. So I have, to, I have lots of things I have to do. Okay, so why? Because these are things that are mandated. I said, on Shabbos, do I get the chance to sleep in? Nah, okay, so Shabbos, maybe I sleep until 7 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock. Because all the stuff I got to do. And a person could say, I got to do this, and I got to do this. And why do I have to do this? Is because it says, this is what a Jew does, and therefore I'm going to do it. And okay, I accept the fact I have to do it. So when it comes to the end of the day, did I do it? A plus. How did I feel about it, though? I wasn't happy about it. I'm just saying. So therefore, God says, I don't want you doing commandments because you feel compelled. You feel forced. You're doing them simply because. That's not what I agreed to. We made an agreement with the Almighty, the Jewish people. God said, do you want the Torah? And we said, Nasev and Ishma. We will do the Torah and we'll understand it. Meaning first, we're going to do it. Whatever, face face blind, right out of the gun. Whatever it is, we're going to do it. But we told the Almighty, but we're going to understand the whys and the wherefores 
and the hows, twos, and et cetera, and et cetera. And we're not going to just stop at one. We're going to go as much as we can and get deeper. It says that every verse has 70 interpretations. I want to know every one of those 70 interpretations. Why? Because that's what, that's what motivates me. That's what gets me going. What gets me out of bed in the morning at quarter to six every morning is the fact that I get to learn <laughs> Jewish philosophy before I start my day. And it's like, yippee, I get to do this. That's my happy place. So this is what the Almighty is looking for. When it says you have to serve the Almighty with joy, or you have to decrease Av with happiness, that's the happiness we're talking about. Be happy you're Jewish. Be happy that you have the opportunity. God gave us a whole huge bundle of jewels, precious stones, diamonds, and every day you have an opportunity to pick up another one and put it in your pocket. And it's like, yes, I get to put more diamonds in my pocket. Not, oh, I have to do this again. That's what the Almighty is looking for. And that attitude really is what's going to bring Mashiach. We are going to take a quick commercial break. We have a Tisha B'Av story coming up, which is quite poignant and also quite entertaining. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Hey, Herschel Finman, here you're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Rabbi Finman's got a contact page on it. So if you're listening to the show on rabbifinman.com, well, after the show's over in like a couple minutes, you'll just click over and then you contact me. If you're listening on any other media, such as iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, whatever it is, wherever you find your podcasts, well, go to RabbiFinman.com and you can contact me about anything you like. I'm good. I'm free and easy. This week is a little bit lighter, so I might have some time to answer more questions. If you want to get into some profound questions, I, well, I might have some time for that this week. There's also other venues by which we convey Judaism in a hopefully entertaining and educational way on RabbiFinman.com, archived editions of the show, for example. We also have the very important donation page. It's August, yes. So my promise, if we got paid to foot in full, now extends till the month of August. So we're into June, July, and now August. So if we pay three months off in the net, within the next couple of weeks, you get a longer story I don't do this long pledge thing about donating and how you've been listening already for 50 minutes and you like the show. You know the routine already, so you've heard it before. So maybe it's time you went to Rabbi Finman Donations and donated to keep the show now 28 years. One of the longest running Jewish radio programs in the world at this point, and I didn't really do anything about that. It was basically you that you've been able to keep this show running 
because you must like it. I'm still here. If you didn't, if if people weren't supporting us, <laughs> I wish it was three months at a time, one month at a time. For 28 years, it's one month at a time. I think one time we we didn't have any uh, any pledge where we paid off early. But I'd like to do it every month. So make it so that at the beginning of the month, which is what's happening this week, you have a monthly donation. And that way, all these monthly donations come in at the beginning of the month. And therefore, we're good to go. So do that today. If you don't like the idea of internet giving and putting your credit card out there, although I have, it's all through a very secure website that the donations are gone. And I have never heard anything going ever wrong with this specific website. But if you rather just do it like, you know, more conventional, which you would consider a safer way. So send your donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Do it today. Story involves Liadi, name of a city, many miles east of Gross Point Farms, home of the first Lubavitcher Rebbe known as, we call him the Alter Rebbe. He was known as Schneur Zalman of Liadi, and he was known as Schneur Zalman of Liadi because he would lived in Liadi. He was visited of Shlomo of Karlin, who lived in a city called Karlin, which is also many miles east of Gross Point Farms. They had what to do with such as business. These are big Rebbe's. What exactly the business was, I don't remember if it was part of the story or not, but he was there for Tisha B'Av. So in Tishaba, people sit on low benches and they say the Book of Lamentations and there's all kinds of poems which are said commemorating destructions and hard times. And uh, before the event of air conditioning, it was like, it was tough. It was, it was always, Tishaba was always very hard. People fasting for 25 hours. And like we said in the earlier that uh, Hasidim like to make light of the situation. Don't get too involved with the mourning. It's not the, the, the depression that's the main part. It's the feeling that we need to go do something better. So there's a custom things what would do, like um, there's a custom among Hasidim of throwing barrelach, these little burr things. And you go out into the bushes and they have these things and they stick to everything. And you take a couple of these things and you throw them at somebody and let it, if you hit it right in the beard. Okay, so now this guy's got a plate. And human nature is such that if you hit somebody in the beard with one of these things, he's going to throw it back at you. So there's this whole war thing going on. It's like a food fight except with with these little burrs. So Shlomo Carlin is walking around. He sees this guy. He's doing stuff like that. He's doing all kinds of shtick. He's tying people's tzitzes together. And he's just like making light of the whole situation. So Shlomo Karlin said to the Alter Rebbe, what kind of business is this? Who is this clown? He's not taking the holiday seriously. The Alter Rebbe didn't say anything. Some time went by, and they passed by a small side room. And there they saw sitting on the ground a person. He was saying the keenness. He was saying these, these, uh, these lamentations. And he was crying. And he said, oh, this is the way you're supposed to do Tisha B'Av. The Alter Rebbe said, it's the same person. Meaning to say, listen, there's a time and how much and what our efforts are. And yes, uh, we should, as a, you know, if we realize that the temple was destroyed and we have the job of rebuilding it because the status quo is we're supposed to have a temple. And if we're, if it's not here, it's because we're preventing it from coming. So what do we have to do? This is your charge. This is your homework. We want you to go out this week. 
And we want you to courage, not just yourself, but courage others to go do a mitzvah and do it with great joy. That's going to do it for the show today. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We'll actually be uh, broadcasting on Tisha Buff itself. So we'll see you next week. We'll wish you, if you're not going to leave your pit, if you don't get to it till Monday, the show will be up there, you know, so have an easy fast. Until then, take care. But say, see, me, Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.